Coming up on Simple Truths, Pastor Xavier Reese and Salvation. The concern of God is always restoration. He pleads with the sinner to repent. Isaiah 1.18, come, let's reason together. Though your sins be red as crimson, I'll make them white as snow. He's not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. 2 Peter 3.9. Jesus said in John 3.36, He who has a son has life. He who has not the son has not life. And the wrath of God abides in him. Welcome to Simple Truths, the daily half-hour study of God's Word with Xavier Reese, Senior Pastor of Calvary Chapel of Pasadena, California. I've got your back, a common term among friends who are committed to looking out for one another. Today, Pastor Xavier looks out for the church as he examines the importance of God's prophet in the book of Ezekiel and the role of the watchman. Right now, it's time for today's important Simple Truth study. Let's listen. Ezekiel chapter 33, we're going to look at verse 1 through 33, and the message is entitled, The Watchman of Israel, a common metaphor used by the prophets before, Isaiah, Jeremiah, Habakkuk, many, many others. The teaching of the watchman consists in the following three movements. First, you have the illustration of the watchman, verse 1 through 9. Secondly, you have the proclamation of the watchman in verse 10 through 20. And then you have the revelation to the watchman in verse 21 through 33. Notice in verse 1 through 6, we have the responsibility of the watchman to the people. This prophet, once again, is being directed by God from heaven. Again, the word of the Lord came to me, saying, verse 1, the message of the prophet regards coming judgment and warning by the watchman. And say to them, verse 2, When I bring the sword upon the land, and the people of the land take a man from their territory and make him their watchman. So he takes a metaphor and a practice of the day. The word watchman means to put out for spies, to look out for them. And this was a practice against invaders and especially during the time of war. And this watchman would be placed on a high tower with a trained eye to see if there would be any approaching enemy and to warn the people. So they would take protection from within the city walls. It's a very common metaphor. Everybody understood this. Notice God indicates it is he who is their enemy in judgment. I bring a sword upon the land. This is very important. God takes full credit for what he's bringing on the people. Look at verse 3 through 5. The function of the watchman is described. The faithfulness of the watchman of the city was to sound the alarm to warn the people. When he sees a sword coming upon the land, if he blows a trumpet and warns the people. Verse 4. Then whoever hears the sound of the trumpet and does not take warning, every person was responsible for their own life. If the sword comes and takes away, his blood shall be upon his head. The individual's responsible. We better fear God from the pulpit as well as the pew. Next comes the proclamation to the watchman, verse 10 through 20. In verse 10 and 11, the prophet was to attend to the inquiry of the people wanting to repent regarding their sins. Here you have it. Finally, some light. A few have got conviction. He sees those few and he says, I'll forgive you if you repent. Wow. The prophet Ezekiel was to confront the people with their own words. Therefore you, O son of man, say to the house of Israel, does you say, if our transgressions and our sins lie upon us. See the conviction. Their very words. They're acknowledging their guilt, and they're asking, 
How can we get right? Look at 11. The prophet Ezekiel was to respond to the inquiry of the people. He's a representative of God who's gracious, merciful, full of loving kindness, ready to forgive. The heart of God is revealed for the sinner. I have no pleasure in the death of the wicked, but that the wicked turn from his way and live. Turn, turn from your evil way, for why should you die, O house of Israel? The verdict comes in verse 16. None of his sins which he has committed shall be remembered against him. He has done what is lawful and right. He shall surely live. Can you handle that? That God would forgive somebody a day before he dies of all his wicked life? The prophet was to reveal the justice of God that was being challenged by the people because that's what happened. Just what I just asked you. In verse 17, God declared the false charges of the people by quoting their very words of the people to the prophet. Yet the children of your people say, the way of the Lord is not fair. And the word fair has the idea of measure or a weight. They challenged and charged him also in chapter 18, verse 25 of being unfair. In other words, they were saying God's scales of justice are off balance, unjust, and that he would forgive all the iniquity of this person if he repented. Pray tell, they forgot that they were included. God will certainly judge each person perfectly. He deals with them now. Despite the explanation by God to the various cases in detail, the people still charge God. Yet you say the way of the Lord is not fair. O house of Israel, I will judge every one of you according to his own ways. Nobody will get shortchanged. I am the eternal one, the holy one of Israel. Can you handle that? There should be no vacillation about how a person can enter the kingdom of God and get to heaven. One must be born again, believe that Jesus Christ died and atoned for our sins, and whoever calls on name shall be saved, John 3, 16. That he is the way, the truth, and the life, and no man comes to the Father by him in John 14, 6. Not Mary, not Peter, not the Pope, not anybody can get you in. They can't even get themselves in unless they come through Christ. That he's the only mediator between God and man, the man Christ Jesus, 1 Timothy 2, 5. No priests, no saints, no virgins, no candles, no pilgrimage, nothing. Listen to 1 John chapter 1, verse 5 through 10. This is the message that we have heard from him and declared to you, that God is light, and in him is no darkness at all. If we say that we have fellowship with him and walk in darkness, we lie and do not practice the truth. But if we walk in the light as he is in the light, we have fellowship with one another, and the blood of Jesus Christ, his son, cleanses us from all sin. So when we blood, we get right with him. But we don't live in sin, understand? That's not our practice. That's not where we are. That's where we used to be. Because we're not perfect, sometimes we miss the mark. But it's the exception. If we say that we have no sin, no sin nature, we deceive ourselves and the truth is not in us. If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. If we say we have not sinned, we make him a liar and his word is not in us. Pretty straightforward. There are a lot of people in the church deceiving themselves today. Paul the Apostle tells 1 Corinthians 6, 9 through 11, Do you not know that the unrighteousness will not inherit the kingdom of God? Do not be deceived, neither fornicators, 
nor idolaters, nor adulterers, nor homosexuals, nor sodomites, nor thieves, nor covetous, nor drunkards, nor revilers, nor extortioners will inherit the kingdom of God. If you don't fit in that category, I've got more lists. And such were some of you, but you were washed, but you were sanctified, but you were justified in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ by the Spirit of our God. Don't miss the last part. It's what you were past. Now you're different. If that's not your case, you're deceiving yourself, and you're under great danger. The book of Hebrews has five passionate appeals of warning. Those who are considering going back to Old Testament sacrifices, rejecting Christ who they had embraced. Now, the majority of people today from the pulpit teach you that the book of Hebrews is not for today. It doesn't apply to you as a Christian. I reject that completely. Study it. It's talking to Christians. Those who had accepted Christ, and now they're going back to animal sacrifice. Five very, very severe warnings. I'm going to run you through them. Chapter 2, verse 1. Don't drift from what you have heard, it says. The warning is against disregarding the words of Jesus. So great a salvation. The consequential is eternal loss. Very clear. In 3.12, don't disbelieve or depart from the living God. The warning is against unbelief of the sufficiency of God for one's salvation. Exhort one another, he says, to not harden your heart through deceitfulness of sin. Chapter 5, verse 12, don't degenerate in your spiritual growth. The warning is against discrediting the Son of God and falling away to another system, in consequence being there no repentance apart from Christ. So if these guys went back to the law and they confessed their sins putting their heads on that animal and cut his throat and put the blood on the altar, Paul is saying, your sins aren't forgiven there anymore. That system is null and void. There's only repentance in Christ Jesus. It doesn't mean that you can't repent if you, if you think you've made a mistake. It says you have no repentance under that system. If you come out of Catholicism, go back. You come out of Mormonism, you go back. You come out of whatever it is, you go back. There's no repentance in whatever you came from. Only in Christ. Very, very clear. In chapter 10, verse 29, don't despise the spirit of grace. The warning is against blasphemy. The consequences are eternal punishment. Hebrews 12, 25, don't defy what you have heard. The warning is against disobeying the call of God. The five warnings are not fictitious or hypothetical cases, but real. They had become very comfortable. They had already all their theology packaged. They were eternally secure. Find that in the scriptures. Do not deceive yourself. The teaching of scripture, listen carefully, is abiding in Christ. Abiding in Christ, and it should not be clouded or compromised. It's real simple. The proclamation of the watchman is to be clearly in accord with the word of God, not my opinion, not my denominational point of view, not my systematic theology, but what the biblical theology gives forth from the verse and the text and the context. And if your theology doesn't agree with God's, then you should change your theology. Amos 3, 3 says, can two walk together except they be agreed? The answer is no. The third movement is the revelation to the watchman now. He gets information that he knows nothing about because he's just a vessel. 21 to 22, the fulfillment of the prophecy to Ezekiel is recorded for us here. Verse 21, the prophet receives word of Jerusalem being captured. The data is recorded by the prophet, and it came to pass in the 12th year of our captivity, 585 B.C., in the 10th day, in the 10th month, January the 5th. Six months after the fall of Jerusalem, the messenger, notice, was one from Jerusalem. 
the one who has escaped from Jerusalem came to me and said, the city has been captured. Now on July 5th, 592 BC, Ezekiel was called in chapter 1, verse 2. He has been preaching for six and a half years. And the prophet receives his ability to speak at this time now once again. God had prophesied about that. And he told him a man would escape and when he come, it would happen. So it's the fulfillment of the prophecy to Ezekiel. God loses his tongue in verse 22. Now, the hand of the Lord had been upon me the evening before the man came who had escaped and he had opened my mouth. God's timing is always perfect. Learn that. Walk with God and pace with God because his timing is perfect. Don't get ahead of him. Don't lag behind. Keep your eye on him. Verse 22, God had told Ezekiel this at his call. So when he came to me in the morning, my mouth was open and I was no longer mute. In chapter 3, verse 26 and 27, this is where he told him, listen, the prophecy had been given to Ezekiel at his call. I will make your tongue cling to the roof of your mouth so that you shall be mute and not be one to rebuke them. For they are a rebellious house, but when I speak to you, I will open your mouth and you shall say to them, thus says the Lord God, he who hears, let him hear. He who refuses, let him refuse, for they are a rebellious house. It's also recorded in 29, 19 through 21. But the prophecy about this was given in 24, 25 through 27. Listen to it. This Remember his wife died? Symbolic of the holy place in Jerusalem being taken captive? The desire of his heart? It was that time when he said that. Listen, Ezekiel 24, verse 25 and 27. And you, son of man, will it not be in the day when I take from them their stronghold, their joy, and their glory, the desire of their eyes, and that on which they set their minds, their sons and their daughters, on the day one will escape, will come to you to let you hear it with your ears. On that day, your mouth will be open to him who has escaped. You shall speak and no longer be mute. Thus you will be assigned to them, and they shall know that I am the Lord. And so God made a parallel with the taking of the holy place and the holy city with the death of his wife. And he says, and in that day, the man's going to escape, come. And when he comes, your mouth is going to be open. Wow. God would begin to speak through Ezekiel about restoration to the nation and reconciliation. In 33, it's offering repentance and forgiveness to all. That's the door to restoration and reconciliation. Repentance. So 33 begins with repentance. The promise of future restoration of the nation in the latter days is Ezekiel 34 through 39. And the proclaiming of the millennial kingdom and the temple in 40 through 48. Now his mouth is open for restoration. Judgment is over. That's symbolic of the silence. Now notice he moves to the folly of the people of Jerusalem first, 23 through 29. Verse 23, the word... It's prophetic by the formula again. The word of the Lord came to me saying, the message falls under the same date of verse 21. In verse 24, the word of the Lord reveals the words of the people in Jerusalem as arrogant and unrepentant. He's dealt with those who have been conviction, right? He's laid the plan of salvation, right? Now he turns and he deals with those arrogant donkeys. Listen carefully here. The people left in the land, verse 24 here, uh, he reveals the word of the people in Jerusalem as they are going to repent. Chapter 11, verse 15 confirms this. But here the people left in the land by Nebuchadnezzar had bad theology, believing that God was now restoring to them the land. 
and all those carried away were no longer entitled to the land. They felt they were the remnant. Listen to the words there in 24. Son of man, they who inhabit those ruins in the land of Israel, in other words, Jerusalem, it's taken, are saying Abraham was only one, and he inherited the land, but we are many. The land has been given to us as a possession. You see, we're left. We're the remnant. God says, I don't think so. How we can deceive ourselves. The people were presumptuous and had not acknowledged their sin and need of repentance towards God and thought they were the people of God. Look at 25 and 26. The word of the Lord revealed the sins of the people as the prosecuting attorney here, God. He's played the lawyer. Now he's the prosecuting attorney. The first accusation is sin against God in verse 25. This is what they were guilty of. Therefore say to them, Thus saith the Lord God, You eat meat with blood. You lift up your eyes towards your idols. You shed blood, murder. Should you then possess the land? What's the answer? No. That's sin against the first table of the law, against God. The second accusation is sin against man, the second table of the law. Verse 26. You rely on your sword to kill man. You commit abominations. You defile one another's wives. So you dampen as a land? Same answer. No. But they were saying yes. The word of the Lord then reveals his verdict in verse 27 through 29. In 27, none would escape who was guilty of being unrepentant. Say this to them, thus saith the Lord God, as I live. Listen, when he says as I live, you're done. It's absolutely true what he's going to say. As I live. Surely those who are in the ruins in Jerusalem shall fall by the sword, and the one who is in the open field I will give to the beasts to devour them, and those who are in the stronghold and the cave shall die of the pestilence. This is the meaning of, of the verse. No matter where you go, if you're not repentant, I'm going to get you. You can run, but you can't hide. You understand? 28, none of the land would be occupied. First with the people, not with the land. Because listen, always remember, the people and the land go together. You cannot separate the Jews from their land. 28, none of the land would be occupied. For I will make the land most desolate. Her arrogant strength shall cease, and the mountains of Israel shall be a desolation. No one will pass through them. And then in 29, none of the people would have any doubt that God had judged them. Then they shall know that I am the Lord when I have made the land most desolate because of all their abominations which they have committed. They were guilty. They were at fault for the judgment, not God. You and I are responsible for the blessing or the consequences of our life, not God. Now comes the fickleness of the people in Babylon in verse 30 through 33. The people seemed to be sincere when they came to Ezekiel. They seemed to be. This was a word of knowledge to the prophet. As for you, son of man, the children of your people are talking about you besides the walls and in the doors of the houses, and they speak to one another. Now, it seems like that's good. Hey, they're talking. Hey, they're promoting me. Oh, yeah, they're telling them to come to church. Oh, yeah, good. But God alone knows the heart, right, of each person. Why are they doing it? What are they saying? They were hard-hearted, but Ezekiel had been made harder by God in Ezekiel 2, 3 through 7, and 3, 4 through 9 in his call. These are hard nuts to crack. They seem to be sincere. Look at the rest of 30. Everyone saying to his brother, please come and hear what the word is that comes from the Lord. Wow, this seems good at first, doesn't it? They were gathering people, bringing them to Ezekiel to hear the word. 
But then in 31 through 33, the people were insincere in reality when they came to Ezekiel. God reveals this now. That's why we can't trust what we see. I have to let time run to see what you're made of. Look at 31. The people were rebellious. So they come to you as a people do who sit before you as my people, and they hear your word, but they do not do them. The people were hypocrites, two-faced, interested only in financial profit. Listen, for with their mouth, they show much love. Oh, God bless you, brother. Oh, yeah, God bless you. But their hearts pursue their own gain. 32, the prophet Ezekiel's words was a form of entertainment to them. His words were a form of entertainment, God says. Notice 32, they enjoyed listening. Indeed, you are to them as a very lovely song of one who has a pleasant voice and can play well on the instrument. Ezekiel was a Lionel Richie, the Smokey Robinson. They loved it, which is another, another clue that perhaps he did sing some of his sermons. Oh, they loved it. Let's go check the dude out. He went on the dude. Hey, he's cool. Entertainment, that's what church is today. They had... um. No intent to do anything about what they heard. For they hear your words, but they do not do them. Wow. God has unveiled them to the prophet. And so in 33, the people, in seeing the prophecies fulfilled, would know Ezekiel was a prophet of Yahweh. And when this comes to pass, surely it will come. Then they will know that a prophet has been among them. This is repeated over and over and over. And the other one is that they may know that I am the Lord God. The word for hypocrite comes from the Greek word actor, one who pretends and plays a role of being someone else other than he is. This too often is the practice of the church. It was in the days of Jesus with the Pharisees, and they were synonymous with hypocrisy. It is no different today. Listen to me. There will be no hypocrites in heaven. There are hypocrites in the church. Pray for them. Be an example for them. Confront them. But don't leave church because of them. Because otherwise, you might spend all of eternity with all hypocrites in hell. Hell will be full of hypocrites. The concern of God is always restoration. He pleads with the sinner to repent. Isaiah 118, come, let's reason together. Though your sins be red as crimson, I'll make them white as snow. He pleads. He's not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. 2 Peter 3, 9. He will not force you to repent. Therefore, you must make that decision. If you don't repent, Jesus said in John 3, 36, he who has a son has life. He who has not the son has not life. And the wrath of God abides in him. Listen to Jesus. He's like Ezekiel. Listen. Luke 7, 30 through 32. But the Pharisees and the Lord has rejected the will of God for themselves, not having been baptized by him. And the Lord said, to what then shall I liken men of this generation? And to what do they like? They are like children sitting in the marketplace, calling to one another, saying, we play a flute, for you, and you do not dance. We mourn to you, and you do not weep. Entertainment. Nothing turns them on. Many people deceive only themselves as they live in sin and expect God to approve their lifestyle and bless them. Joshua speaking to the men who were supposed to settle the land with them and then go back to get the land. Remember, he said this, but if you do not do so, take note then, you have sinned against the Lord, and be sure that your sin will find you out. Numbers 32, 23. Remember, God's on the throne. Not me, not you. He knows everything. The revelation to the watchman was to speak to a deceived people. Heavy, heavy chapter. Do you fear under it? I hope so. Three consistent movements. 
The illustration of the watchman is one of great responsibility and accountability. We don't take it lightly here. The proclamation of the watchman is to be clearly in accord with the Word of God. That's why we study the Word of God. The revelation to the watchman was to speak to a deceived people. Only you can tell if you're deceived. I can't make that judgment. I hope that you've repented. Pastor Xavier Reese and a plea for repentance. Now, today's message, The Watchman of Israel, is available on CD for just $4. And this will also include what Pastor Xavier shared the last time we were together as well. So, once again, the title to ask for is The Watchman of Israel, or simply mention today's date. You can request your copy by writing Simple Truths, 2200 East Colorado Boulevard, Pasadena, California, 91107. Or to make your request by phone, call 800-926-1485. Again, that's 800-926-1485. Or the address once again is Simple Truths, 2200 East Colorado Boulevard, Pasadena, California, 91107. And please be sure and include the call letters of this station somewhere in your correspondence. This information is helpful when we check on the impact of this outreach in your area. What happens when a leader fails? The Fall, coming up next time on Simple Truths with Pastor Xavier Reese. Simple Truths with Pastor Xavier Reese, a daily half-hour broadcast, is a radio ministry of Calvary Chapel of Pasadena, California. www.calvarychapelpasadena.com 